Okay. Welcome. Welcome to this Global Voice Network mirror stream of a ongoing conference call. Take it away, guys. Okay. It is 9 o'clock. I'm going to start the recording. The recording has started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Republic Education Call for the United States of America in our Republican form of self-governance for January 16th, 2023 at 9 p.m. I'd like to start with a reading from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to and Joshua. If you could mute me. yourself and fill up. How do we Hang on. Okay. Who is the the lady that's reading right there that I'm hearing? I'm new to this. That's Phyllis. Hi, Phyllis. Phyllis. All right. Hi, Phyllis. Where are you? Hi there. Where where are you in the country? Indiana. Pardon me? I'm in Indiana. Okay. Indiana. Yes, ma'am. Right pretty close to the middle, somewhere there. All righty. Okay, everybody get Okay, gotcha. That wasn't Bob, was it? Okay. That wasn't my buddy Bob. Sounded like one of our old listeners. Go ahead, Phyllis, please. I'm sorry to interrupt. Okay. This reading is coming from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. Joshua 1, verse uh, 5 and 9. Come to me and my loving presence. You know this day will bring difficulties and you to think your way through trials. As you anticipate what is ahead of you, you forget that I am with you now and always. Rehearsing results in experiencing them many times, whereas you are meant to go through only when they actually occur. Not multiply your suffering in this way. Instead, come to me and relax in my peace. I will strengthen you and prepare you for this day, transforming your fear, confidence, and trust. We, the people of the Republic, are peaceful, lawful, and and our declaration says when in human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of man requires that they should declare the causes which them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable that among these lies liberty and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted in deriving their just power for consent of the governed. And folks, I know we have guests on here this evening. We want to welcome you to our call. And if you are not speaking, good mute phone or however you would normally do that uh, on the computer or whatever. 
until it's time for questions and answers, that would be much appreciated. Especially, I'm going to turn it over to and introduce our guest. Okay, thank you, Phyllis. And uh, your phone is breaking up a little bit, but uh, we got the most of it, so we appreciate the the, the opening. Uh, welcome, everyone, to tonight's call. Tonight we've got uh, Roger Sales with the Radio Ranch, and he's going to be sharing uh, some information on exposing the matrix and basically. Uh, you know, escape in the matrix. And so he's, he does a radio show uh, Monday to Friday from Saturday. 11 to 1 o'clock Eastern. Ma- we do Saturday. Saturday. Sorry about yes. that. Yes, that's okay. Yep, yep. Uh, from, one, or from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock Eastern time. And uh, down on the bottom are a couple uh, PDFs that are attached, and one is like for new students, and each one, and then the other one is escaping the identity matrix. And uh, they're there with a lot of information that you can gather. And uh, you can also go to the matrixdocs.com, and he's got uh, many uh, links to a lot of information uh, for you to gather and learn from. So. We thank you, Roger, for uh, sharing all this and and all that are uh, behind you and helping you. I didn't right? get that fire going, did I? Okay, let's see. Uh, let's see if we can get everybody right, muted get, out here. Try uh, it again. Yeah, could you hit the mute and try it again, please? Uh, best if we can keep that to a minimum, because especially if you've never been exposed to the information you're about to be presented with, you, you're going to want to listen attentively. If you've never been exposed to this information before in our teachings, uh, a lot of things will fall into place, but you'll be confronted with I'm concepts you probably dry. don't know too much about. Place, we, somebody took it down. Here we we got right. a, we got somebody that needs to mute their phone in the background. I know, but the principal pissed me off, still pissing me off. That's a fact. Phyllis, you see where that's coming from? Well, I'm I'm muting everybody. That's, that's Greg in California. That's Greg in California. Mute, Greg. I heard yeah, that voice. A, That's Greg and Cole. You can't you can't go. He wasn't listening too much anyway, obviously. So anyway, if you're okay. new to this information, well, yeah, you, uh, Roger, you, you're the you, one. Uh, take the floor and uh, I'm trying. Start out. I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> uh, but you know, especially as I was saying, if you're new to this information, you need to pay attention. I mean, obviously, Greg in California wasn't paying too close of attention anyway. He was off doing something else. So regardless of that, what you're going to be presented with tonight is more than 100 years of accumulation research in three men's lives. It's not chopped chicken liver. It's absolutely proven, and the federal government agrees with everything we do and teach people and instruct them to do should they want to, and there's never been one incident of blowback to anybody that's ever reported it to me that anything negative happened in their life that they even remotely associated with filing this paperwork. And when you really understand the concepts of what's going on and get away some of the cobwebs that have been intentionally placed in your minds, our minds, 
it'll straighten out your vision just a little bit. Okay, you started out with a spiritual, a biblical verse, Matthew, I believe, and you read the first paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. In my opinion, the most powerful political document ever penned in the history of the planet. Okay, So you keyed in on two things that are real near and dear to my heart right there from the start. I think it was Phyllis, right? So uh, let me tell you here in the big, let me tell you in the big picture what's going on. Now, this encompasses my law teacher and the reason we've made so much progress and that we're so accurate is because of his lifetime sacrifice, well not sacrifice, he liked doing it, of studying the law. He was interested in the law. He loved it. He didn't study it. He had one year of law school, but the, all the rest of his life, he studied it by studying the old law and the things that they've wiped in some instances out of the curriculum of our law schools. They've been in control of our law schools in the United States, and I can prove that to you for at least 100 years, okay? At least 90 for sure, all right? So in the big, big picture, what's going on here is Esau Edom has used this trick to steal back his, our birthright. That's what's going on, okay? So uh, it has incredible biblical ties and connections, and every aspect of it that I've ever followed leads back to there. Okay, I believe that what we've got is the beast system of revelation. Okay, and it's being orchestrated by the people that Jesus identified in Revelation 2 9 and 3 9. So, all that's really happening in the big picture again is that we're fighting the Pharisees. These are the modern-day Pharisees. They're doing exactly the same things they did in Jesus' time. They've just brought it forward 2,000 years with a lot more sophistication and technology and know-how. And so years ago, we kind of labeled them because, see, they used the word Jew and then hide behind all these other people and use them as defenses like the bully hiding behind mama's skirt, you know? And so what we did was figure out a name for them where we can identify them and they can't hide behind anything. Okay. And that is Pharisees because they're the Pharisees. And with all this modern technology and know-how they're parasites. And now they're Pharisees wiggle out of that one. Okay. You get, it's incredible how this is very parallel to Jesus's time. And, and the Pharisees, the Pharisees in their day, one of their main tactics was changing the rules. See them changing the rules? That's all they do now. Definition, rule, change, 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 change. If you make it and change it, then you don't recognize it and do it. I mean, they're, they're, they're the slime that he identified and fought all that time ago. And evidently, it's this spirit of, uh, 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 that goes all the way back potentially and possibly to a trading vi a village outside of Babylon. 
okay, with with these special people that specialized in trade. I've we've heard on our show people come in and voice that uh, concept and kind of back it up. Very possible. It's ancient. I can tell you that, and it is the spirit of good and evil. You know, speaking of Babylon, um, you, we the the Israelites were in captivity for seventy years, right? Well, we've been in captivity for 90 because we as a country went into this Jewish Babylonian type parasite Pharisee captivity on March the 9th of 1933. And that was the day that the country was, it was bankrupt in a sense. That's the easiest way to understand it. It was, I, I believe, you know, in bankruptcy, there's several different types of bankruptcy. And one is a total liquidation where you're forced to sell everything and you go away. And the other one is the one like Alex Jones and InfoWars is in right now, reorganization or a continuance. And that's what we're in. And that's why they continue all the time to declare all these emergencies, by the way, that, uh, Emergency has to be t- uh, completely. I think every so many years it's got to be redeclared. So you got the war on drugs, the war on poverty, the war on this, the war on this, and the whole thing's a war on you. Okay, uh, if you're not familiar with all that information, rather because that's a whole man, that's another hour and a half to three hour phone thing. Uh, Daryl, are you familiar with Dr. Gene Schroeder's work? You're a Colorado guy, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, he did uh, a little booklet on the emergency powers. Well, he's done a video. He did a video. You can still get it. We can get it over on our website in the new students section. We're about to have him on the program. One of our listeners knows him, and I've spoken with him several times. He was supposed to be on last Friday, and we got blown out with this storm. He's a veterinarian, and, and he's still working, I guess, at his age. It was a whole team effort, eight guys, and 30 years ago, they put this opus out. It's a masterful research opus, and it's called the Water Emergency Powers Act. And that is over on, as I said, on our website. Paul, uh, uh, our buddy, our wizard here, took it and cleaned up the audio. And uh, the others are a little bit strained. This one's better. And if you want all the background on that, I mean, verified exhibits, everything. It's a masterful presentation, almost two hours long. Okay, and uh, that's on the website and available. What we deal with is what happened that day and the effect it's had on us subsequently. Okay, so that piece of work, which I honestly had forgotten about for many, many years, somebody mentioned it one day. I went, oh, yeah, I remember that. Went back and listened to it again, and I was going, holy smokes, you know. Uh, he talked about, for instance, after one of the points in there, if you understood, uh, had to be like from that, something major happened, and that's when we were enslaved. Okay. Uh, you want to Roger, further you're kind of bou- your, your voice is kind of bouncing for some reason. I have no idea why. Okay. Low bandwidth. Real- talk slower. For five days. <laughs> Says some other stuff in there, too. And it reopened under regulations by the Secretary of the Treasury. Well, that's when they changed the systems. You see, there before that, there was no Secretary of the Treasury. 
there's a treasurer, but not a secretary of the treasury. And there weren't regulations because those are strictly administrative and there wasn't any administrative state. So you can see if you have a little insight here, what really happened that day. Okay. But let's go back and start. I'd like to parallel kind of the way I did this uh, Uncle Sam video because I think it's very effective if you're new to this information. And that is not necessarily what they've done, but even more importantly, how they've done it. Okay. Because it's very powerful, obviously, to fool an entire world on what I'm going to pull back the curtain on for you tonight here. Okay. And the way they've done it is with, and even if you don't want to follow through and do this, and it's totally your choice. Your freedom is your choice. It's not mine. All my duty here is to let you know you've got a choice that you more than likely didn't know you had. Okay. And so that's what we're doing. All right. Now, the way that they've pulled this off is with a fancy word called equivocation. All right. Now, I'm going to demonstrate it to you here in a minute, but I want to show you first how far back it goes. Okay. And how far this has been a part of your subconscious mind. Because the first time that you were ever exposed to this, was the first time you ever saw Alice in Wonderland. I don't know how old you were when that happened, but that whole story and book is all about this right here. Okay. So Alice in Wonderland was the title after it was changed. Remember? And the original title was through the looking glass looking glass being a mirror and of course a mirror shows you back an opposite image of whatever's in front of it doesn't it and so if you went through the looking glass on the back side of the looking glass you'd live in a world of opposites wouldn't you and that's what we do okay where's that noise coming from is somebody banging something on a desk or something if if you could find where to be so anyway that's the uh that's the opposite world we live in is on the other side of the looking glass my sense is that's one of the reasons they changed the title from that to Alice in Wonderland because you get a sense of a little sense of what's going on it's pretty easy to connect these dots here um if you uh, go into a search engine and go back a number of years uh, and put uh, uh, Lady Rothschild's costume ball and a bunch of pictures. Some of you have probably seen those uh, of their costumes and the cakes that they ate that were human bodies and, you know, all the fun kind of upper blue blood elite stuff that they do. But in one of the articles, the first paragraph, it says, Lady Rothschild was so clever. She had the invitations written backwards, so you had to look at it in a mirror to read it. Mm-hmm. This is how they talk. They all know this, folks. Okay? Right in front of you. They're showing it to your children. It's the most popular children's story in history. 
I was in Argentina for nine years. I'm walking down Main Street one day in the old theater that's converted into a place they do plays and whatnot, given a play of Alice in Wonderland right there out in the middle of nowhere, Argentina. Okay. So let's go a little bit deeper into that. All right. And so um, if you go into some of the lyrics at the start of uh, the movie or the book, Alice is being tutored. And her teacher is uh, uh, teaching, giving her a lesson on a hill there, gentle hill on a blanket. And Alice, as students are apt to do, is daydreaming. And she daydreams herself up on a limb that's parallel to the ground at the top of the hill. And with her is her cat. And here is the dialogue. If I had a world of my own, everything would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't. And then what it is, it wouldn't be. You see? Now let me go over that again slower. If I had a world of my own, everything would be what it is because it would be what it isn't opposites and then what it is it would not be you see this is the world you're trapped in right there okay now you go a little deeper into it and there's an exchange that's <laughs> well quite insightful it is and the exchange is between Humpty Dumpty and Alice and I'm going to take a little poetic license here, if I will, if I may, please, so that you'll get a little more impact of what I'm about to show you. All right. So it starts out and it says, when I use the word resident, Humpty Dumpty said in a rather scornful tone, it means just what I say it means, no more, no less. But the question is, said Alice, how can you make the word resident mean so many different things? The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, who's to be master? That's all. This is Alice in Wonderland, folks. Here's a good one. Later on in the movie, at the end, there's a trial, and the Red Queen, the Wicked Queen, goes, what's she say? Sentence now, verdict later. <laughs> you see any of that going on? Sentence now, verdict later. No, Alex Jones, you're guilty before you go in there. We're just going to decide how many trillions we're going to award the people for you. Sentence now, verdict later. I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's right out of this thing, folks. So that's the first time you explain, you were exposed to it. Um, you may want to go back. You can find it on, on YouTube, you know. You may want to go back and watch it. Kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know all, but there's a whole bunch of stuff in there, I'm sure. Those are just things I've been exposed to. So what they're doing with this opposite world is they're using this concept called equivocation. And equivocation is if a person is trying to decide between several different options, you might say that they're equivocating. 
okay, between which decision to make. Well, this equivocation is a little bit more sophisticated than that, and especially the way our enemies use it. Because what they do is they take a word, and how can you make a word mean so many different things, just like I just showed you, and they take and assign a 180-degree opposite definition to whatever that word is, and they implant that Pavlovianly into your subconscious. Now, your subconscious that controls 90% or more of your day overrides your consciousness. Here's another biblical connection. James 1.8. A double-minded man is uncertain in all, all of his ways. Not some of his ways. Not part of his ways all of his ways and that's what they've done they've used this very simple trick to make us double-minded on all these key words and concepts you ever hear you i know you hear people say well that's just opposite what it says it's doing oh they always have this legislation it's always the opposite everything they do is based on this right here and that's why when you understand that, not only, you know, like if you don't want to do this, that's fine with me. I've never told anybody to do this the whole time I've been doing it. But at least you can take this and get your sanity back. Because every time you find one of these words, <coughs> excuse me, every time you find one of these words, all you have to do is go back and take the correct definition surplant the opposite one that's in your subconscious with the right one and now your subconscious and your conscious are working in tandem and as dr bruce lipton said years ago on joyce riley's show one morning when they were talking about this subconscious thing he says when the subconscious and the subconscious are working together in tandem it is empowering and that's what this information does for you this re-empowers you it's okay. I see it. I saw it myself. And as after I got on the air, I started getting a few good, sharp students. And uh, they hung around, studied, got hooked by the information. And see, then I saw it happening in them. And when I saw it happen in them, I could identify it in me. And that's this empowering process. It doesn't happen overnight, okay? But it's this linking of your conscious and your subconscious. Plus, should you go through this process, what you're really doing is going back and getting your original birthright, okay, that they've stolen from you and tricked you into giving to them. All right. And you're going back and establishing those connections from our creator. And these are the power you're supposed to be having at birth. And they like threw a blanket on it with this little Esau Edom trick. Okay. So that really is what's going on right there. And it's not difficult. It's really simple to understand. You just have to have it explained to you with the big pieces of the picture. You know, it's like I tell uh, uh, folks on our show, if you got a, a six, seven-year-old child, you go to the puzzle store, you're going to get him a puzzle with about 20 pieces, not one with 1,500, okay? And that's why as you're looking at this and you get presented and start understanding the concepts and seeing how they operate and work together, 
and man, I mean, there's like, listen, this information changes people's lives, folks. And the reason it does that is because it changes the way you think. And you can't change the way you think without changing the way you express it in your life. And that's the real importance here. See? And on top of that, when you really understand it, I mean, this information, I call it, I called it in that recent video. I'd been thinking about it for a while, and I was sitting there talking to Michael as we were going to start the video, and I said, you know, I call this God's trump card. And he goes, that's what I'm going to name this. Well, it is God's trump card. I mean, it frees all of us. It freaks these people out, okay? I mean, they're scared to death of this, people. I can get on any show in the country and call them the dirtiest, ugliest, true name and beg them to put me at the top of their hate list. And they won't do it. They won't mention. They won't utter. They're scared to hell of my name because I got these son of a bitches, Satan's little bitches. Okay. We got them, folks, right here. It's the only thing I've ever seen. That makes these people stand mute. One of, one of the fellows that's on our network is Andy Hitchcock, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock. I don't know if any of y'all know him. He's a Brit. Wrote a book called Synagogue of Satan. And Andy calls them those who always have an answer for everything. Okay? And he's right. Except here. They ain't got an answer for this. They have to stand mute. And when you really understand this, what you've got is the, uh, to my knowledge, we've got these sorry pieces of garbage as firm and cold as anybody in history has ever had them. They can't rebut it. They can't deny it. They have to sit there and stand mute. You've got the most powerful satanic bastards that have ever walked the face of the earth at any time in the history of this planet. And you literally can make them stand mute and quiver with one sentence on one piece of paper to one government official. Does that sound like power to you? I'm not pulling this out of the air, folks. I've been helping people do this for 12 years. They Every time they do what you want them to do. Okay? So what did they do, and why is this so powerful? You know, and this is a, a good spiritual Christian group here, okay? What, do you realize what you don't realize this yet? Because you don't, you haven't internalized this and got command of it yet. When you present the paperwork to these people, they have no choice but to recognize God. Now you think about that. As much as they hate him, as much as they try and do everything to humiliate everything they do from what they do to these young babies to everything else because those young babies are almost a, a perfect reflection of God and that's why they concentrate on them okay all of that and here they have to recognize him and then they have to recognize us and they have to do it 
And I know you, have, if you're new to this, never been exposed to this, you may not believe that, and you may find it hard to believe, but I'm telling you it's true, okay? And there's other people, Paul, other people on here that can tell you it's true, too, because well, we got a family that's, some of us been together like 10, 12 years, you know? And we've seen all these people come and get into this and come back with all these different stories. And we got one where uh, one of our students, because she had her paperwork with her on the outskirts of Denver at the, some children's hospital, their their rebellious daughter had run away in the middle of the night. They were visiting, had gone to a neighbor's door and told her she, they took a whole bottle of pills. They called the cops. Cops turned her over to CPS. By the time they called the parents and they got over there the next morning, the CPS worker had already had this daughter for four or five hours and had already got her signing documents, which underage children don't have any uh, uh, power to sign in a minor, as all of you know, should know. This is more of this in run by these Pharisees that change the rules. Okay. They go into a meeting, three attorneys, hospital administrative staff, this CPS official, she drags out her copies of her documents. They have a discussion. They go leave the room for five minutes. They come out in five minutes and say, you and your daughter are free to go. Do you know anybody else getting wrestling kids away from CPS folks? Anybody on this call ever heard of that happening one time? No. no. In less than five minutes. I have. You have? Well, God bless whoever oh, did it. I have. You don't hear about it too often. Look at baby Cyrus up in Idaho. And that's what got us thinking about all that with children. Always before, it's just been adults. So let me show you what they've done here. It's very simple. You, other people teach it. They, they, it's very confusing. They want to charge you money for it. We don't charge for it. It's free. And, and, and what they're missing is that this is the feudal system and the way you're born into it. And that's what I'm going to explain to you. Okay. And what it is in the big picture is called voluntary servitude. And they get you to agree with it by tricking you with two questions you've been asked all your life. Are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? And you sign something. I would think that everybody that's here on this here, that's an American on this call, that's been presented with those questions all your life, that you've answered it yes every time they've ever asked you and signed something. That's your agreement to their scam and scheme. And also, you, you read the Declaration of Independence at the start there. Remember when it talked about the consent of the governed? You answering those two questions, yes, gives them the consent to govern you in this fraudulent system. They've got it set up where you did it. They've got you agreeing with their fraud. And because it's voluntary servitude, everything has to be voluntary or it's tyranny. So all you have to do is volunteer out. You got to do it with exactly the right guy. But he can't say no, because what system of laws you live under is your choice, not theirs. If, they, if they're going to tell you what they, you are, no, you're a citizen of the United States. Well, that's tyranny, isn't it? Open tyranny. And these guys know what happens to tyrants. That's why they're so heavy on this consent stuff. And now that we know what the game is, you just volunteer out. 
There's nothing to it. it it's not, it, it's, you don't get any confrontations. You can literally get your freedom if you got a couple of the right things around the house and the snow's not too deep so the mailman can't get to you. You literally can get your total freedom from these bastards without ever leaving your lot line. And they've got to recognize it. Hard to believe. Okay, so where did they get that authority from? How do they base that? Well, that's what I was going to go into. Well, let's look at the, the, the whole thing started with the start of the country. I like to look at this part of it on a timeline because you'll understand it easier. From the Articles of Confederation... <clears throat> in the 1700s, 1770s or 60s, whenever the Articles of Confederation were drafted, the country was a, the United States of America was a group of independent states who considered themselves to be separate countries, but amalgamated together in a lot of common ways and an amalgamation that was a nation or a country, the United States of America, right? Okay. Uh, uh, here's, a, here's an example of that. When the, uh, well, we call it the Civil War. One of my students, Daryl, calls it the war to bring in the civil law. Extremely accurate. And uh, when that was over, we passed this other type of legislation, which it, that um, set up a new type of political status, a federal status. See, there was not, for the first 90 years or so of the country, there was not a federal status. The people that lived and raised in D.C. and the territories, technically, from what I can figure out, were stateless. They didn't have a state that gave them any kind of political interaction. They took care of a lot of the combined uh, uh, efforts of the other only other states that were all together in a country that were all under God's laws and all had full access to the Constitution. Okay? And so then we passed. Uh, I was going to give you this example. The Civil War, Abraham Lincoln wanted Robert E. Lee to lead the Union forces. Uh, Robert E. Lee had married very well. In fact, his, the, the family land that he married into is now Arlington National Cemetery. You can see the White House across the Potomac. They intentionally took his land and made it Arlington National Cemetery. But at the start of the war, Lincoln wrote to him and asked him to command the Union forces. And Robert E. Lee wrote back and said, I cannot fight against my country because he considered Virginia to be his country, as the states all considered themselves to be. So after this horrendous event, and I'll tell you at the end, the conclusion that I've come to, I believe that the, that war was fought to get the 13th and 14th Amendments in the Constitution so that they could control the world with it 100-plus years later because that's exactly what's happened. And now that we really understand the whole picture, I can show you, and maybe we'll do it if we've got time at the end of this, I can show you how those two are set up.
and how they operate together. And they all operate to give you to answer those two questions. Are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? It's all right in there. Okay. They, they set this up and fought that war to get this set up. You know, the U S is the only country in the history of the globe that fought a war to end slavery because they didn't fight the war to end slavery. They had that thing set up so they could get these amendments in it so they can make everybody a slave and control the world through the currency. Because that is what's going on right now. Okay. So we went through the war. We had a passage of these two amendments, the 13th Amendment and the 14th Amendment. And what they did, we're going to maybe come back to those if we got time. Okay. What those did was set up a new federal citizenship. The 14th Amendment reads, all persons born or naturalized in the United States, notice it doesn't say United States of America, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, comma, are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside or resident. That dangerous dangerous word okay now there are eight legal landmines in that sentence so if you look at the 13th amendment passed six months earlier there's a word at the end that says there because there was no federal citizenship the 14th amendment wasn't passed until six months later okay so there was only one status, the state citizen of those original states that considered themselves to be countries. There. That's why there is there is plural. 14th Amendment says subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Singular. Here's your two citizenships. One is the state citizenship. The other is the new federal citizenship, which was predominantly given to former black slaves, okay? Now, it, it, we'll, ju we'll just keep it at that right there. There were other people involved that received these civil rights from the federal government under this new status, but not many, predominantly blacks, and it became to be recognized as such, even though I would argue vehemently that it did not apply to just blacks, even at that point in time, all right? So this situation set up what we, many of us, know and recognize under the moniker of the Jim Crow laws. Jim Crow. The whitey was the state citizen, and the predominantly black new federal citizen was Jim Crow. Except hidden under Jim Crow. So let me ask you this uh, rhetorical, ridiculously rhetorical question. Can any of you even care to make the stance that the white men that ran the country gave all of these mostly black former slaves the same political status they enjoyed? None of you are that naive, I trust. Okay. So obviously it was a secondary and subjective citizenship. Okay. Now I'll show you here in a minute that that is a legal test, that first sentence of the 14th Amendment. And the 14th Amendment is very long, you know. They're trying to use a part of it against Trump uh, in this uh, insurrection thing. It was strictly for uh, this Civil War stuff. 
Um, so anyway, hidden cleverly underneath that, through the mechanism of passing heredament to children. You see, there's two ways to pass on your heredity. One of them is called just sanguineous, which sangui, I believe in Spanish is blood. So just sanguineous, which means by the heredament of your parents. And the other is called just law, J-U-S is law, the law of the tierra, of the dirt. And that is where they give you a political status, not by who your parents were, but by where you're born. And the perfect example of this, I'm sure, is there anybody on the call that has not heard the term or doesn't know what it means, anchor babies? Does everyone know what an anchor baby is? Yes. Okay. Well, that's a perfect example. I know. Okay. Well, this is where mom. Okay. Well, I'm gonna explain it to you. This is where mom and dad are Mexican nationals, and mom gets across the border right before she gives birth, and when she gives birth, the baby is a citizen of the United States, but mom and dad are not, and they're still they're still Mexican nationals. That's an anchor baby because now they can take that baby and bring in the entire extended family into the U.S. You heard of that? That's an anchor baby. Yep. That is assigning a political status determined on where you're born, not who your parents were. There's only one system in the history of the planet where that was a common occurrence and an integral part of the system. And that system is the feudal system. So through this this mechanism, in our enemies' minds, once they get this integral part of the feudal system in, like the camel's nose, the rest of the camel is right in under the tent. And you're the serf from birth. All persons born. That's what birthright citizens are. They're federal citizens. And hiding underneath it very cleverly with this connection is the feudal system. In this system, and I'll explain to you the whys and wherefores, you're born into this condition after when they changed the system in March the 9th of 1933, I encourage you to go check Gene Schroeder's fabulous research piece on that. When they made that switch and they brought all of the people in because there's a property right here. If you're a federal citizen, they've got a property right in you. So when they pull this bankruptcy off and bankrupted the country, they slipped the entire country in as sureties for that fabric hypothecated, no doubt, bankruptcy. It came out of the bond market. And so in this, hidden underneath this, is the feudal system, okay? And in the feudal system, Everybody was a serf. You were either the lord of the manor or you were a serf. And in Europe, there was two types of serfs. 
involuntary and voluntary. But when William the Conqueror came over and conquered England in 1066 and brought the European common law, which included feudalism, because that's where it developed, over to England for the first time. England had never had feudalism before. Okay, but in England, there's a doctrine called the free soil doctrine, which means there's never been a slave born on the island of England. And so they couldn't bring the involuntary servitude side over. He only brought the voluntary servitude over. And that became identified in the old English law books as the English variety of slavery. In this system, they've got a property right on you. That's what they want, and they had to have to set up this system we're in, okay? Because it's all a big illusion. And I know if you're new to this, you're not going to understand this right away. But if you study it and learn it, it'll become clearer and clearer. This whole thing, all of us, we've ever lived is an illusion. And it's based on the Cutheral Law that you are a serf in voluntary servitude at birth. And when they've got that on you, they can do two things. They can take your birth certificate because the birth certificate now represents the condition that you were born into. And they take that birth certificate, utilizing it as a commercial document called the warehouse receipt. You go look all this stuff up, folks. A warehouse receipt where the paper actually takes on the quality of the good and the good, you in this instance, take on a shadowy existence. And they take this warehouse receipt and go over and print up bonds and sell them on the international bond market. That's the original start of the entire credit system right there. Isn't bond the root word of bondage? Yeah, it is. Okay. So if you look at the stock market, that's an equities market. you got big buildings and manufacturing plants and railroads and planes and trains and all kinds of stuff that represent that. Well, the bond market is five to ten times bigger than the stock market. What represents it? You and your future labor. Because it's been pledged through this mechanism where they've got you being born into a condition of servitude that they trick you into agreeing with your whole life. And then they just extend the collateralization more and more and more and more debt. This is a, this is a good spiritual group here. You remember seeing in the New Testament where Jesus talks about the leaven of the Pharisees? Right? The leaven of the Pharisees. You want to see the leaven of the Pharisees? You take that little trick right there where they get you in this system, born as property, and attach that birth certificate as a warehouse receipt and go sell your future labor over 5, 10, 15, 20, 30-year time frame to international investors. Then they extract the payment from our friends, the IRS. So now they sick the IRS on you to recoup the present value of that future labor, and that's what goes to pay the bondholders their coupon payments. How about that? 
IRS is the literal Achilles heel of this whole system. Okay. And we get you out of it easy if you want to. So the other side of it is because now they've got a property right in you. You don't really have access to real law. Now you're a serf and they got a property right in you so they can make man-made laws and enforce them on you. And that's the administrative state, which grew up after that bankruptcy in 33. We never had one before that, okay, where man, unelected bureaucrats appointed interpret legislation any way they want and regurgitated in the form of regulations now called public policy. And that's for the new serfs, the residents. Because you don't have access to law, you've got a property right on you that you agreed to every time they ever ask you. How about that? So there's the real reason they did this this way, because now what you've got in operation is this wonderful quote by Goethe. Goethe was a German philosopher. Some of you may know he wrote a play called Faust, an opera, about a guy who made a deal with the devil, okay? And Goethe's famous quote is, now listen to this, listen to these adjectives. And then you think about where we are and what I've just kind of explained to you, especially if you're one of these people that thought you were free your whole life and got up and sang, you know, that song, if you went to a sporting event, that Lee Greenwood song, okay? There are none so helplessly, helplessly enslaved as those who falsely, falsely believe they're free. There are none so helplessly enslaved as those who falsely believe they're free. And ladies and gentlemen, that's where you've been your whole life. Now, here's another good one from the most unexpected of sources, Harriet Tubman. And Miss Tubman said, I freed a thousand slaves and I could have freed thousands more if they only knew they were slaves. So here's what's operating here in this feudal system thing. See, when they before March the 9th of 33, we used gold and silver as our payment system and financial because we were free people and no one had a property right on us maybe i ought to explain this property word in a minute i will because no one had a property right on us we could own things which meant that we used real money to pay real bills and buy real things that we could own and have a property right in see this another one of the things they're doing is a little bit more of this equivocation thing and what it is is we're working on two different levels of understanding. When we get into these technical words like property, if I'm sitting here and I go, um, hey, Daryl, man, I, I, you paid off that truck outside last month. I guess that's your property, right? And you'd go, yeah. And everybody would know what we were talking about. But in court and in law, that's not right because the property, the truck is a thing. 
and the property is Daryl's right of ownership in and to the thing. And that's one of the reasons I think people have a hard time getting this sometimes is you look at the mirror every day and you can't imagine yourself being property. You're you. Well, it's not. It's a right they've got on you so they can do these other things I just explained to you. Okay, so before March of 1933, you didn't have one of those on you. You could use gold. You could buy things. You took clear title to it and owned it. After March the 9th, the banks reissued with this debt money, which you didn't understand you were the collateral for, by the way. And so you can't buy things. where You can't pay the debt when you do because someone's got a property right in you now. So you can't own anything. And you can't pay for anything. So you have to use a system of debt notes that, like I say, you're the collateral to, and you don't pay a debt. You discharge a debt with another debt. And, and you don't own it, but you can control it. So it gives an appearance of ownership. And that's why if you go look at the car, if you do own your car, and you go look, you got a certificate of title. You don't have the title. That's the manufacturer's statement of origin. You got a certificate that represents that because they've got a property right in you, which you agreed to every time they ever ask you. So you can't own that. That's their car. So that's a very important distinction to make, and that's what's going on here. So when they invoke this feudal system, and if you want a further verification of this, there was a piece, a note that was found in Woodrow Wilson's uh, personal effect after he died. And it was from Colonel House, the guy who was the New World Order guy, his handler, if you will. And in that little short paragraph, some of you have probably seen this. It's in my book. Um, and, and he says, the first sentence says, we will attach them as sureties. I'm paraphrasing again. We will attach them as sureties by invoking the ancient pledge. By what? By invoking the ancient pledge. Oh, that's nice. What's that? Anybody got a guess? Well, some of you know, see. The ancient pledge is how you volunteered into a condition of servitude in the feudal system. It's called the Oath of Fealty. And I encourage you to go look these things up and verify them for yourself here. Okay, not now, but later as you learn and grow and have a, a curiosity. The Oath of Fealty is the way a person would volunteer into voluntary servitude at the manor, very much in a condition of a sharecropper, except... You, you didn't own the sharecropper. He just had a deal with you on the land. In this little arrangement, they had a property right on you. And I'm going to prove it to you in the oath that they took. And so if someone wanted to volunteer into servitude, they'd go and cut a deal with the lord of the manor. And when the day came, it was represented by a contract. It was an oral contract called a parole contract and it was witnessed by the other serfs on the manor and what would happen is the incoming serf called a villain spelled villain 
V-I-L-L-E-I-N. That's that French influence from William the Conqueror that was brought over. It was pronounced a villain, but it was spelled villain. And if you want to go look all this stuff up in Black's Dictionary, you'll find that V-I-L-L-E-I-N, a number of different kinds. So the incoming villain would kneel on both knees. Very significant because you only knelt on both knees to God. And in this instance, since you were giving him a property right in you, he's your God. On both knees, you would put your hands above your head as if you were praying. He, the Lord of the manor, standing over you, would put his hands over your hands. The other serfs of the manor were surrounding the ceremony or the oral contract, and you would pledge your body and your worldly goods to the Lord of the manor. It's called an oath of fealty, okay? And now you have volunteered into it, into a contract. It's a contract. There's witnesses. You're on both these, all the things that go with it, okay? So you literally, and get that, your worldly goods. So why that? Because when you went through this ceremony, he owned you, and you couldn't own anything else. If someone's got a property right on you, you can't own other property. Okay? Now, you're in that condition. You've gone into the oath of fealty. You and mom, they're working and, and tilling the land he gave you. He gets a percentage, by the way. And the relationship that was created at that ceremony is the relationship that controls and identifies the concept we recognize as jurisdiction. And that operation is allegiance for protection, protection for allegiance. Liege, L-L-E-I-G-E, the root word of allegiance. Have you seen the films, the old films about medieval times when the guy clasps his fists and beats his chest and goes, yes, my liege, yes, my liege, okay? This is what this is. It's the relationship between a liege man, the serf, and his liege lord, the man, lord of the manor. And it is absolute and unbending and unchanged by time or space. Okay? That comes from a Supreme Court case in our country, by the way. But it's this relationship, allegiance for protection, protection for allegiance. And that's what you've got with the federal government. You've born into this condition, and you've agreed with it, and you're asking them for protection. Oh, you don't know it. You never did it formally. It's all happening underneath the sheets. But you're asking them as this new federal citizen for protection from the federal government for you against any potential actions against you by your state as the new federal citizen. And when either one of the characteristics is invoked, the other one is automatically invoked. So when it says in the statutes, a national owes total allegiance to a small s state, the state automatically owes you protection, statutorily. It's not stated, it's recognized and automatic. Okay? And goes all the way back a thousand years or more. 
in tradition. Okay, but this is that relationship: protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. So, mom and dad go home. They're tired. They go, and you know, dad has a twinkle in his eye, and nine months later, you come along. Because they both were in a condition of servitude and the Lord of the manor had a property right on them, you were born into the same condition. Exactly as if you've got a bull and a mare out there out back, they've got a calf, that calf's yours. Same thing, okay? So every generation since 1933 has been born into this silent generational contract created from a feudal system that you didn't even understand you were in. You didn't even know it existed. Okay. So that's what's, that's what's going on. All right. You've been born into it. There's fraud. There are so many layers of fraud. It'd make a layer cake embarrassed, okay? I mean, it's just layer, 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 layer of fraud, all right? That's why they've got to recognize this because fraud vitiates any contract. That's what we're in. You've never known about one. You've never heard of a silent contract that runs generationally before, but that's what it is, and that's why they've got to recognize this. And now, because here's what happens. Should you decide to file this paperwork? Two things, the best I can figure, two things happen simultaneously. One is you expose all these layers of fraud and what they're doing, and two, they recognize God, and you've got your freedom. There's only, if you go through this, you totally separate yourself from the powers of the federal government with the exception of two obscure sections of the Internal Revenue Code that none of us will ever owe. And that will be the first question, Paul, will be on those. So you wanted to say something a second ago? Uh, yes, please. Uh, give me one second. Phyllis? There are a bunch of people that are unmuted, and there's a lot of echo coming back from a lot of those lines. Do I have your permission to set the the program to mute mode so we can take care of those all at once? Yes, uh, you can. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't care. All participants are muted, and they can unmute themselves. All right. Well, stay muted if you're not going to add or something. If you want to ask a question, we got time to do it. Unmute yourself and be happy to entertain it. I can answer most questions. Some, they can't. So is that pretty clear, folks, on what's been done? And see, because it's hidden voluntary servitude, and you didn't realize answering those two questions was putting you in that, okay? I mean, here's the two questions. Are you a citizen of the United States or are you a resident? Well, that first question, let's re- Let's retweak that a little bit, and let's see if we can get exactly what they're asking us there, okay? Are are you a federal citizen like a former black slave given civil rights and federal citizenship under the 14th Amendment? That's what they're asking you. Would any of you have answered yes if that would have been presented that way? I would like to hope not. 
At least hope not. And the residency thing is going what I said before. Are you a new federal citizen living in one of the several states requesting protection from the federal government against any action against you, primarily the new black slave down in Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, South Carolina, Louisiana? Might you be asking for protection from the federal government? That's what's going on. See, resident does not mean, oh, it can mean. When I use a word Humpty Dumpty said, that's not the definition they're imputing to it here. Okay. Resident means what basically, simply, what set of laws do you live under? And when they ask you that, you think, yeah, I live here in Texas. And you're, they're asking you, hey, are you a federal citizen under the laws of D.C.? Yep, yep, sure am. Pardon me, ignorance of the law is no excuse. I guess I should have known what I was, shouldn't I? Even though you've gone to unbelievable lengths to hide all this in your statutes and your code. By the way, why do you think they call it code? So, does anybody have any questions or comments? Because, I mean, I can go on for hours, folks. They call it code because you need a crystal ball and a roadmap to understand it. Sal from Colorado. Sal, S-A-L? S-A-L, yes. Hey, Sal. First, I want to bring up about the 14th Amendment that you mentioned. That amendment was never properly ratified. Doesn't make a damn bit of so difference. How come we... Doesn't make, a damn, doesn't make a damn bit of difference. Doesn't make you a got, damn difference, you got, right? You got 150 that, years... Of, hold on, Sal. You got 150 years... I don't care years. how long it's been. Sal, Sal... Sal, Sal, you want to get argumentative or you want to listen? There's 150 years of a legal theory called custom and usage. Go look it up. And which 13th Amendment was the one that you're referring to? The second one, if you'd like to go into that, I think is very fascinating, see? Because now that we understand the end game, you can see exactly how they set this thing up. Okay, I mean, did you know, Sal, that when they went to call the 13th Amendment up, that they led all the southern states back into Congress to vote on it? Did you know that? Yes. Okay, so that makes it constitutional. And it was voted in 1819. Okay. Sal. The original 13th Amendment was voted in 1819. We're not talking about that one. We're talking about the one that's printed in the law book now. You want to be argumentative? You want to have your own program? I'll turn it over to you. The original 13th Amendment was printed in law books also. I've seen it in law books. I understand what you're talking about. So the government's been committing fraud on the people. For a long time. You want to help expose it? Correct. I can help you expose it if you want to listen. Okay? The second 13th Amendment, and they had to kick that one out somewhere along the line, reads like this. 
neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist in a state, comma, unless a person has been duly convicted of a crime, comma, yada, 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 and their jurisdictions. There was no federal citizenship for another six months. It's obviously for the states. Notice what's missing. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude. Well, there's only one other type of servitude, Sal. What is it? Voluntary. Good man. And it isn't in there, is it? That means there's a concept going on called legal by omission. Now, granted, you could volunteer into being a bond servant. Again, that's voluntary, and there's an earlier clause in the Constitution that says they can't impair your ability to contract. So earlier when the declaration was read and they said unalienable rights, well, some people say those are that they can't take them away, and some people say you can't give them away. But yes, you can give them away, and you can contract them away, and that's what's been done to us. And there's your hole right there in the 13th Amendment that's printed in modern law books. There it is, voluntary servitude, and for the entire states. Now, why did they do that, Sal? Why did they do that? They only care about themselves, not the people of this country. Well, I, I agree with you 100%, so why did they do it? You didn't answer my question. You want to know why? Because they wanted to be able to throw the wide net, the wide cast net, and get all of the state citizens and get them into this new federal citizenship they had planned. That's why they did that. Okay, the 14th Amendment, the first sentence says all persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, comma, are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. Now, what the 14th Amendment is, is singular, like I pointed out a minute ago, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. The other was there. This is the, there's your two citizenships right there, okay? But let's look at it and let's go back under some of these words. I told you there's eight legal landmines in that sentence. Person, born, naturalized, United States, and subject, jurisdiction, citizen of the United States, and resident. Every one of those words in that sentence is a legal landmine. Now notice what it doesn't say, Sal. It doesn't say all persons born or naturalized in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof. It doesn't say you are. It says and. So Sal from Colorado, if there's some people that are and subject, doesn't that mean there's some people that are and not subject automatically? Sal? Yeah. Doesn't you wanted me that? to listen, so I'm listening. Well, I'm asking you a question now. See how attentively you've been listening. If it says and subject to the jurisdiction, doesn't that mean there's got to be some that are not subject to the jurisdiction? Probably. If there's and, there's got to be and not. 
And it doesn't say are that you are because then they'd be open tyrants. See, what the 14th Amendment is is a two-pronged legal test. The first prong is you got to be born or naturalized in the United States. Notice it doesn't say of America. That's the federal citizenship nature, federal United States. All persons yeah, born in up. the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. So you got to meet the first test and you got to meet the second test. And if you meet both of those tests, it tells you what you are. You're a citizen of the United States and a resident. Well, funny, a hundred years later, those are the two questions they're asking you to get your agreement to their scheme that they set up before the Civil War, isn't it? It's right in front of you. It, but you can't see it if you don't know what the end game was. And you see, through this method, now they've got to control a property right in all the persons born in the United States, and they're using this to be the base of the credit spout for the U.S. dollar, which is the reserve, a reserve currency of the world where they can control the whole world through this mechanism of controlling us and creating the dollar through us. Now, a minute ago, I was going to tell you about the leaven of the Pharisees, okay? Jesus mentioned it several times. Leaven, if you don't know, is yeast, okay? So the leaven of the Pharisees is they can take this little system and they can put a property right in you and do this little thing where they take your birth certificate, attach it to the bonds, and sell these bonds, and they can mount up a $35 trillion debt in the bond market. $35 trillion with a T debt out of nothing. How's that for leaven, gals? So that's what's Still going the on. Bread rising. Yeah, well, with that's, that compound interest, that is, and that compound interest just rises it right along, especially at that rate. So, uh, Sal, that's how the 13th and the 14th operate together, and I believe and maintain that with the, those two questions being the ones that we know solidify you into their system, that lock the, the give your agreement to the contract you don't recognize is being offered. They knew that before the Civil War started. That's why they fought that war to get these in the Constitution to control the world 100 years later. Prove me wrong. I can't prove you wrong. All I know is when the original 13th Amendment was ratified, it was in 1819. And then the second one came came out in 1865. Yeah, maybe a little bit later than that. Roger, man. The 14th Amendment wasn't passed until 1868 is when the 14th was passed. What do you got, Paul? Uh, We don't talk. Um, Saul? That the thir- original Thirteenth Amendment has no bearing on what we're talking about, buddy. So we don't be knowledgeable. You've studied. You know it doesn't have any bearing on it. But okay, just so you know, go ahead, Paul. 
the War of 1812 was actually created to bury the fact that the original 13th Amendment, the Titles of Nobility Amendment, was fully ratified. So they had to do something hard and fast, otherwise it would put an end to their little good old boys club with all the lawyers that were right. in that were in positions of office. So they you know, buried it been, and they replaced it some 50 years later. They've been and, striving to get their arms on the country through the money powers since it was started with Alexander Hamilton, period. The whole early part of the country is a history of these intrigues, okay? Right. So and there is good absolutely no up, way anybody... <laughs> There, there is absolutely no way anybody is going to get any traction on bringing out the titles of nobility amendment. The only, oh, yeah. the only answer, the only answer is to exit the system and go back to pre titles of nobility amendment, which you can do by filing an affidavit. You you go back to the original status that existed with everybody up to March the 9th of 33. If you want to do it, great. There's a bunch of other lectures. I'm on the air six days a week to answer questions. We've never had any bad detrimental blowbacks. Nobody's ever disproved any of these facts I put forth. Uh, and it works. So if you want to do it, great. And if you don't want to do it, I don't care. It's great too. Okay. You're so, did anybody else? Yeah, you got another a question, please. This is Marka. Oh, Marka. Good, Martha. Hi. Um, I just wanted to share with everybody the organic statutes at large have the public law definition. If you want to review it, it's on Statute 66, Public Law 414. Title One, Number 21 is our definition as a national. So it's in the organic statutes at large if you want it's to have some proof. Yeah, it, it, yeah. The state citizen label is in all the old court cases. What they did in 1940 in a piece of legislation called the Nationality Act is where they changed the label from state citizen to national. And in the very first definition in that act, A, it says, <laughs> national owes total allegiance to a small less state. So right there's where they relabeled it, and now they've woven it and hidden it as best they could. There's other information we could go into about the American Samoans and that stuff, but quite frankly, I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit. So if there's any questions we can address here, I'd love to do it, okay? Rogers, Bruce. John, yeah, Texas. Roger. Oh, all right. This is okay. If there's someone in like that is incarcerated, you know, over some victimless crimes, what they statutory violations, doing this here uh, affidavit of national status uh, with the secretary of state, would that uh, how effective would that be? Well, Daryl, this is this is the way we address that question is when the person did whatever they did, they were in their old legal capacity, legal personality, and you can't go back and change that horse after it's out of the barn. Now, once they file the affidavit, that may come into play. But if they're in there for something they did previously, it can't change history. Okay. 
So I don't want you to have any false expectations because that's just a little too much opium. It's pretty damn powerful for what it does do, but it can't do that. Here's the other thing that you might be interested in, folks. It totally gets you out of the IRS, and we've never even heard a peep from them on anybody. And you see, here's how we beat them. is because once you file it with the Secretary of State, you can start notifying other agencies that that has been done officially. And one of the ones most people want to notify immediately is IRS. And when you notify them, you're out of the tax system, folks, and they can't do a thing about it because it exposes their fraud on the way they've done it. So that's Can a guy else. do that non-protunk? Can a guy yes, do that non-protunk? Well, I'll tell you what they can do. See, my teachers, the, John, the law teacher, was the one that found this concept called revocation of election. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's when it says in the IRS regulations, when you've changed status, you can go back and apply for the last three years you've paid in. And that's what they built their business on where I met them. Okay. And what they didn't know was you have to change your status with the Secretary of State, what we now know. And so that was when the IRS, a few first few people that did it got checks back. But when the IRS figured out what was going on, they came after all of them and ended up raiding them three offices with IRS CID and months later and all that kind of stuff. But now we know that you can do that change and they can't say anything. And we had one of our listeners that did this man and got back a sizable amount of money sizable okay so we're going to start a service here pretty quick where we can help maybe help y'all do that for people that might want to and what we're going to do is uh, do a contract with you and we're going to take 15 percent of what you get back so you got found money coming back we get 15 percent. we help fund our network and some of the things we need around here and i get to make a little bit of money for a change because I've never made any money in the 30 years I've been doing this. So that's a possibility. That's a, well, would you let us announce it? We'll probably be ready in a few weeks. Okay, Bruce, you're chomping at the bit for some, all my daytime people are here. See, the people that get into this information, man, they just follow it everywhere. They're on the mid, at late at night, wherever they are, and they're here sitting here listening to something that they've listened to most every day for a long time. Yes, Bruce. Yeah, uh, Roger, we feed each other. We feed each other wisdom, just like you just did. But I had to learn from 2002, get thrown in jail uh, five times, and I buried with it. I lost my family. I'm here alone. And when I saw what Roger had, I jumped on it like a daggum cricket. I mean, I knew the truth. I was searching for the truth all those years. And there it was in front of my face. And I didn't hesitate one second to get that affidavit into the Secretary of State's office to protect myself from all the clutter that goes on in our life. And we don't know about it. And, 
And, folks, I'm telling you, they recognize this for the most part, except when you get in what I call local fiefdoms, you know, where you got uh, Boss Hogg as the sheriff and Judge Roy Bean as the judge. When you get into those deals and they, like, think they're the kings of the earth and they don't like you telling them otherwise, but those are pretty rare situations. We don't have them happen often, but they do happen sometimes. So the your freedom. The freer you'll be is the more you get command of this information. Now, I didn't say you have to know everything. I said you have to understand it and have command of it and be able to defend your position if somebody challenges you. But in my mention the draft, the draft and uh, the, the draft uh, get you out of the, jabs and things. Right, get, get you out of the, your children or somebody's children out of the draft. What was the second one, Paul? The what? Uh, jabs, mandatory, mandatory jabs. And, oh well, yeah, and, of course. Uh, that. Oh, you, you guys, you guys do a, a health show on Thursday night here in this same slot, right? Yes. Uh, have you been talking about yes, the World Health Organization treaty very much? Uh, I haven't, haven't been. No. Well, they're that trying to, to shove discussed. it down our. Well, they're trying to shove it down our throats this May, where they literally, uh, the UN through the WHO takes over all control of the total country, military and everything else. Well, they've got to enforce that regulatorily. That means administrative agencies. They don't have any authority over you anymore. Question. Now the question is, yes, ma'am. Let me let me ask the question first, because I get the question: What happens when they don't recognize it, right? Well, I guess we all know what time it is, then, don't we? Hi, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You may. Roger. All right, hold on. We're going to deal with this female first. Hold on. Rochelle was first, I think. Rochelle and Idaho, how long does it take to have this um, recognized when you instigate the change of jurisdiction, basically? The minute you put it in the post office in our system, it's considered received. You're free from the minute it goes in the mail. Now, most people, we've got a certain process. I won't go into the length of it here, but <clears throat> you can also acquire a passport. And just order a passport card, you submit the affidavit in your passport card, and now with the Secretary of State, you've got the highest form of uh, ID the federal government issues, and it's tied to your new political status as a national. Which passport do you ask for? You're the only one. You passport of the United States of America. They're they're so the same thing. Signs. Well, uh, well, it's news to me if there are. So, you want to you want to elaborate on what they are? No, just go ahead. But it's there's a, the highest status, and then there's one that you're a citizen, and then the next, the second one is that you're um, a United States national. Well, that's what you will see when you attach your affidavit in with the uh, application, they automatically file that along with that, and it supersedes your previous one as a citizen of the United States. So it's not, there's some different categorizations that they have, but it's all the same passport. 
Okay. But the one you'll get back should have the affidavit attached to it in behind the scenes. Okay. And we've had and examples. Just the national. Yeah. And, and it's, well, U.S. The no, they could be U.S. national too, Mark. Please, let's not get into that. Okay. Just a national. All right. Or U.S. national. One of the two. So uh, that's rec- what you do. Pardon me? Is it recognized on the card itself? On the card, you may have it recognized. You may have it recognized in a numerical sequence. You can recognize and identify, and you may not. And there's no way to predict that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, hey, Roger. Go ahead, oh, I'm sorry. All right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, get your question. Yeah. Right. Okay, I'm gonna let you moderate. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm gonna let Daryl moderate this because he can see who you are and knows you. So, Daryl, point the next one here. Okay, I think uh, Christian had a question. Christian, thank you, Daryl. Yes, you know, um, during the traffic stops, the police created this this database, this information about me, and. Um, I, I subsequently have filed a, a tort claim against all the head honchos, but I did speak with the um, CEO of the DMV, and he said he tried to erase it, and it seems like they're not able to erase that database. Um, is there any way to get rid of that information? Which information? Well, they have my name with all these criminal charges, and then they, they put in that that they called me a sovereign citizen, which is okay, well, I don't know where the Well, well that, that's what they've been trained. That's a Southern Poverty Law Center to try and cover up this information. And you've just got to, again, belligerently uh, rebut that. <laughs> you send them an affidavit. Is this our Christine in, in North Carolina? No, she's no, in uh, Arkansas. Okay, different. Okay. Uh, I don't know if there's any way to purge that out of there. You can let them know you've changed your status and none of that stuff applies anymore. Okay. See, when you do this, when you do this, let me see if I can explain this to you, Christina. When you do this, you're taking on a new legal personality. And what that means is instead of your old legal personality where you had civil rights from the federal government and therefore of the federal government, your associated duties, correlative duties, now you've changed and you're getting your capital R rights from capital G God and O capital G God, the capital D duties. So you're a legal, different legal person with a different legal personality. You're not the same quote-unquote legal person, okay? Well, that's all been covered in the tort claim, but, you know, I don't mind sending yet another affidavit. But the the tort is 140 pages, and it covers all of this. Yes, ma'am. Did you you send the tort to the Secretary of State of the United States? No, I sent it to the Secretary of State. Well, then it makes absolutely no difference. It, that it's in anywhere. Okay. You got to notify him. He's the lord of the manor in the federal feudal system that has all authority over all matters re- uh, 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 involving citizenship. All a l l. You know why he's got that power? No. Because he's always issued passports. 
And for them to issue you a passport, they've got to know what your legal personality is to represent you accurately to foreign nations, don't they? So they ran this whole scheme. They ran this whole scheme through the Secretary of State. That's why in Eustace Mullins' book, Secrets of the Federal Reserve, and he said after they got the Federal Reserve Act passed, the first cabinet position they went after was the Secretary of State? Why would they do that? Because he controls your legal personality and they knew what they were going to do with this little scam. Okay, okay. I, I think I know. Um, I think I know why I'm still having problems. Um, I think I forgot to send. I sent my secured party paperwork to the Department of State but not directly to the Secretary of State. That yep. was a mistake, wasn't it? And, 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 well, you didn't send it to the right person. Some, you know, are you, are you, who's, who were you studying under, Anna? Well, you know, I, I studied uh, under a couple of people, but I quit studying real early, and I started just studying by myself and talking to different people. So um, I, I wasn't really getting that much out of classes, and I so I just started I have a little group of people we work together with. Okay. Well, okay. you got this is the big piece of the puzzle that everybody's missing. You got to do this with the Secretary of State because he's the ultimate authority on all matters concerning citizenship, period. Anna Von Reich is teaching her people to send it to the Secretary of State of the state. No, of no effect. Uh, Daryl, so thank you for checking in, Christina. Daryl? Yeah, there's another, there's another man that, uh, Robert. 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 Yeah, who is this? Uh, Albert. Robert. Okay, Robert. Go ahead, Robert. Roger. Hey, Robert. Um, yeah. I, hey. Um, so I filled out a passport recently, my my first one ever, and I filled it up out as a non-citizen national. But now this document no. you're talking no, about. Well, you're not. The, you're, well, you're not a non-citizen national. Why would you do that? It was a choice uh, separate from United States citizen. There's no, they don't ever ask you on there a choice. Everything's under presumption. And a non-citizen national is an American Samoan. Are you born in American Samoa? Nope. Well, you did the wrong thing then, I guess, didn't you? Well, I got a passport. Um, well, okay. Well, I'm anyhow. Not, uh, did, what did, did you include some type of notification of your status in with the package? Because they don't ever ask you what you are. They ask you what your parents were, not what you were. Uh, right. And, no, I, I did not include an attachment or anything else. Well, then you're, you're so, under the presumption. Hold on. I'm going to tell you what you did. You did, since you didn't tell them otherwise, the presumption that you were born and have a birth certificate and have answered those two questions your whole life prevail. You've got to specifically tell them otherwise or else this presumption rolls on. They're doing everything under presumption of law. Mm -hmm. Can I fill out a, um, I forget what they call it, you know, an update, a correction, with this no, just document, go, that go, just send, just do another one, do an eighty-two, and order a card for thirty bucks and include your affidavit. 
And I got a card and a passport on this okay, first well, application. Okay, well, that's okay. You can just order the card. Now your affidavit's in the system. It's not in the system with the other two. And you don't really need the book. Uh, uh, all you need is the card. And I got a lot of students, that's all they carry with is identification, mm-hmm. Robert, is that passport card. Right. Okay. Gets them out of traffic stops. Hey, man. Gets them out of traffic stops and stuff. Not all the time, but sometimes. We had one that came back yeah. with the highway, California Highway Patrol, and the guy comes back. It was a drunk driving thing, and they, the guy on the main road, she, the Lisa, one of our students, gave him her passport card, and he looks at it, and he, well, pull over the hill over there, and she pulls over a hill, and it's four or five of jail cars and 15 squad cars and cops over there processing all this. And a cop comes over and he gets, she gives him the passport card. He goes off for 10 minutes or so and he comes back and the best she could remember, he said, I've never seen a DND before, but here's your passport back and be safe out there. You know what DND is Robert? Do not uh, detain. Correct. Now, the other question I have regarding this document, now, do, does a yes. person to the Go Secretary ahead. of State, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the uh, uh, you know, Secretary of State at the federal level, do you receive anything back from them once you submit no, that? No, they ignore it, man. They stand mute, I told you. They can't rebut it. They can't respond and go, yeah, you've mm-hmm. caught us in fraud. And silence deems consent, yeah. and that goes all the way back to right. Henry VIII, okay? Right. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, uh, is there, okay, thank you. Is there, is there another question? We're, we're going to need to close here pretty quick. So if there's yeah, one more pressing yeah, question. Yep. Was it? Yes, you Yeah. Who is the one that said, I have one? Scotty. Go um, ahead, Scotty. This is Paul. Yeah, it's actually just just tying together a few things like legal by omission and presumption. Earlier when uh, Roger was talking about equivocation and equivocate did you have a third word what i kind of caught up is that they're trying to get over like um by using past tense like equivocation and equivocate like sort of like no trespass and no trespassing it seems like they're getting you on the rule eight that you're agreeing to their whatever trickery that yeah, doing can, can, can Scotty can, so, can we get three words can, can we get can we you? get all that complex stuff out of here that confuses a lot of people and address a couple of these questions please there was a girl and a couple other folks that wanted to ask a question that's just too far out Scotty okay. who, who was the girl okay. please yes um this is Christy Arkansas hi um, Christy I, I have another question Hi. Um, okay, so I already have my passport. So if I submit this affidavit, will he correct my passport? No, you got to do no because you got your other passport in your previous legal personality. When you file the affidavit, you're changing legal personalities, and you've got a contract to get them again to issue one in your new legal personality. But I asked them to issue the one in my new legal personality already, no, they're not gonna and do, I don't know what They're, they're not going to do that. You agreed in a contract with them. You didn't have that in when you agreed with the contract, and they're not going to do that. Okay. Thank you. I yield. Okay. Okay. All right, who who was the else? other one? 
Brian in New York. Roger. The question I had was apparently a lot of a lot of people are having problems traveling. My question is very simple. Uh, once someone has done this process, what do you recommend as far as what someone should have on their car in the form of a tag or a non-tag once they have completed this and have a card, you know, the, the, the passport card, which obviously, like that lady who stopped in California, DNG. So, uh, I mean, is it you, you still be in the system as far as the car? Because you're I basically giving them I, if you register it. I think I need to ask you the question. How how far do you want to press the envelope? <laughs> well, for a lot of people, traveling is a uh, is an issue, and many people I, are incarcerated. I, 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 agree, I agree with that, and and I understand it. But isn't that their decision? How far do you want to press the envelope? And I mean, I understand I'm yeah. not being critical of people that do. I know people are fighters and all that stuff. But is that a battle you really want to fight? Or do you want to go on about no. your life and thumb your nose at them and live happily ever after? Because you can do either. Now, if you want to fight them, one of our good students, Joe Lustica, has found a on the Federal Department of Transportation website a way that you can go on the DOT and register your private conveyance as your private vehicle, and they will issue you a DOT number. You go get that made into a license tag and use that. Yes, I've done that in the past. I've done that. Okay. And and the other option? Okay. Okay. well, that's one. Uh, the other option is, you know, you may be somebody that does drive in commerce and does need a driver's license when you're doing that. I don't know what you do, okay? But there are some people in that condition. You know, the guy that drives a CDL and an 18-wheeler, when he parks that and drives home, he's not driving that 18-wheeler when he drives home, is he? So he's not driving, he's traveling at that point, but he still may need a driver's license to do private commerce. That's an individual thing, and, you know, it's the stickiest wicket of this whole thing is driving and traveling, really. The IRS pales in comparison to driving and traveling. I agree. I don't don't drive, I only travel, that's what what Right. So those are a few things some people could do and uh, or don't own a car and take Ubers and taxis and buses like I do. Yes, Paul. Um, We have somebody in the Radio Ranch conference room. They've got horrible sound and and a ton of echo. So I'm going to be muting and unmuting them while you're talking. But he's been trying to track you down all day. Uh, Antonio is the guy's name. Antonio. Antonio. I'm right here, buddy. I'm right here, man. How are you? All right, yeah. Okay, um, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, Here at work, and I'm trying to make the best out of this time. Anyways, while I got my break, uh, I need to ask you. So let me get this straight, because this is the second time I'm on here, and I get a little confused. Uh, You know, there's so many topics different going on, and, and, and I'm trying to just figure one out. So from what I understand, I, I, I like the idea of becoming a national. I got that right. I don't want to be a citizen or a resident, which I am now anyways, because I'm, I'm not a national. But so the step is an affidavit. 
Yeah. And according to what I hear here and there on on this site on your podcast or a radio show, or whatever it's called, uh, you have to mail it into the Secretary of State, which that would be yeah. Blinken. Okay. Yeah. Now, how do you get this affidavit? Uh, do I have to see an attorney for an affidavit? I've never done an affidavit no, or anything got, like that. We got a it's sample. Well, an affidavit. You know what an affidavit is? Just a statement of fact. That's all it is, and it's notarized, and that's considered. It's considered to be the highest form of truth in law. Okay, and it's considered to be court testimony because you you, you swear in the in, in the verbiage of what you're saying is true and correct, and then you sign it under the presence of a notary. And for them to disprove that, they've got to write another affidavit disproving the facts that you've stated in yours, and they've got to get it signed under penalty of perjury before yours is nullified. If that isn't done, yours presented done correctly and presented to proper authority and standing unrebutted is the single highest form of truth in law period there is also okay. a sample affidavit on exposethematrix.com yeah okay i, I gotta see how i can find that because all this is new and i'm not too computer savvy and phone savvy i gotta okay okay well listen you, you this is uh, antonio let me tell you how okay. simple this yeah. is okay this is straight from the State Department's of paperwork. I can show it to you. Okay, it says I. It's Antonio, right? Yes, Antonio. I, Antonio, do yes, solemnly swear yes. my intent to be a national and not a citizen of the United States. You go sign that and get it notarized and send it in. How complicated is that? Doesn't sound too complicated. Now, that was another question I was going to ask. Okay. Do I have to send it to anybody else, or it depends do on you? It, uh, you certify, don't have to. Well, you, you don't. Well, again, you don't have to, but you could. You know, there's no real have to do things. All you got to do is tell him what you are. However, you get okay. it to him. Wow, whatever mule train, forty mule train borax. However, you get it to him, it makes it just the same. Okay. Do you want to notice other people? Well, let me ask you. Do you do you like paying taxes? You like the uh, individuals representing Satan? Do you? No, hell no, no, no. Well, you, well, would you like to separate yourself from them? Yes. Nothing to it. You take a copy of what you send him. You write a little old cover letter, very brief. And you send it to the IRS, and guess what, Antonio? You don't owe taxes anymore, federal taxes. So then we suggest that you weaponize what your position. Well, that's where I was going, right there. You, you're reading my mail, man. Then you go back and you weaponize your position, and you notify the people in your state from the attorney general down to your local police, sheriff, other folks, DA, that this has been done and that your status has changed, and you put them on lawful notice. And some of them, most of them, don't know what the hell you're talking about because they have no idea about all this stuff. They sure as hell didn't teach it to them in law school, I'm going to promise you, okay? 
So, yeah, those are a few things. You go about your business and you do things very methodically. We do everything for a reason. There's nothing we just pull out of our sphincter muscle. This has all been calculated, and it's progressed over the years with people having problems, us coming back and rethinking it and saying, well, maybe we ought to do it this way. And so we do it this way now and suggest that you do. So that's how we've arrived at where we are. Don't be overwhelmed. You don't have to learn it all at one time, but you do need to work at getting command of it. Antonio, the better you have command of this, the freer you are, period. Okay. Now, here's another question. Roger, what a guy. Roger. Hold on. Once I have that sent, uh, I'm going to send it certified. What happens to to me with my job now? I mean, is that going to change well, you anything? Can go back. Because, you know, I got 20 well, years in and I don't want to lose. Well, you're not going to lose anything. You're just going to go to the HR department. It depends on who you work for, if that stuff. Some of them have got the HR stuff all computerized. If so, you go in there and find out where it talks about taxes, and you check exempt. They stop taking the money out. Hey, Roger. See, here's what, here's what you don't understand, Antonio. All this stuff, this is your choice, not theirs. Yeah, all I, I this clearly stuff. got that part. I clearly got hey, that Roger. part. It's my choice. Yeah, hold Roger, on. Roger, may I just for a second? second? I guess you might as well. Go ahead. Okay, Antonio, uh, and anybody else that's interested in, in learning more about this, go to ExposeTheMatrix.com. You'll find a phone number there for free conference call for the PPN Radio Ranch free conference call. There is usually somebody on that call from 9 o'clock in the morning until midnight Eastern, if not later. We're running out of time for the program tonight, so I invite everybody to follow up by uh, attending the Radio Ranch from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time for the live show and stick around for the after show and ask the other people that are in the room questions. And I'm sure you'll yeah, be able and, to get them answered. And we do a Saturday right, so show just for people. We do it Saturday show specifically for people that are still gamefully employed and can't do that during the week. So we're there on Saturdays for okay. you too. Okay. Okay, great, great. Expose the matrix dot com. I could That's ask right. questions. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Now, somebody else. Who else had somebody? You better be quick. Okay. Yeah. Who is? Who else was needing to ask a question? Do it quick, or we're going to have to close. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who's speaking? This is Art in Mississippi. Yeah. Go ahead, Art. Uh, sir, I sent mine in with the. Um, Certified mail receipt return requested. Do you think I'll get a return answer? Yeah, you should. You should. Most people do. Okay, I'd like to uh, read this citizenship evidence to you right quick. Okay. Do I have permission? I guess. Is this what you sent in to the Secretary of State? Yes, sir. Did you tell them what that you were going to want to be a national and not a citizen of the United States? Did you tell them that? Here's where it reads. Pardon me? Uh, Arthur Keith, Jr., 
Did duly sworn from the penalty and perjury of the laws of the United States of America, hereby declare my intentions and desire to be a national with God-given constitutional protected rights and not a citizen of the United States in a condition of voluntary servitude with yeah. civil rights. Yeah. Escape the of the 14th well, Amendment. Art, it ought to be, Art, it ought to be okay because I wrote it. That's what I thought you did. Okay. Okay. And that's the, the, following, that's the, the sample. It's real simple. It says, yeah, as a national, I am not resident in the yeah. residency and alien to the condition of voluntary servitude of the 14th Amendment. National status is descriptively identified under 26 CFR. 1-1-1-A as a non-resident alien. Yep. Yep. Well, you just sent them my affidavit, and nobody's ever told me it didn't work, Art, so I'm pretty sure you're on solid ground. What you got, Daryl? Thanks, Art. Okay, I think we're I think we're going to need to close. Uh, All right. Roger, if it would be possible for you to maybe come back next week. <laughs> It would be a, a blessing, but we sure appreciate the wealth of knowledge that you've shared with us and uh, to maybe uh, further that a little bit if it's possible. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, not totally, I'm not totally object to that. Who was the lady that wanted to ask something right there? Who was the lady that was yes. trying to ask a question yes. quick? I, yes, I just this, have a real quick question. This is Christy. Yes, ma'am. Um, Hi, Christy. Okay, is there any way... For me to find out if my passport says do not detain. Uh, go out and speed and hand it to the officer. <laughs> okay. Um. okay. <laughs> we just, we just, we, yeah, what, Marka? I just wanted to tell the students that are here, if they have questions, join us tomorrow. We're there Monday through Saturday. Yep. So you're what, yeah, two hours a day, number. folks. The phone number, all that is up on the screen right now. And you can go to thematrixdocs.com or else escapingyouridentitymatrix.com. No, just, no, escape and the matrix. They're the same site, folks. Exposed, They're the same site. Exposed the matrix. That's why I don't use it right there. Escape. Yeah. Okay. Daryl, let me make a comment about Christian's producing a passport to cops. I've got some friends in law enforcement, and a deputy, so this is a county sheriff, actually told me that they cannot access that federal database for passports. It's it, it they don't like to cross jurisdiction. So right. I think to have a pass, passport read needs to they, be Border you, Patrol, Immigration, TSA. Well, there's a special database you can ask them to run it on Star or something. I, I don't know, but they I think they have access to it. But that is right. They generally don't tap into the feds like that. But we got a bunch of people. That's the only ID they drive on. Okay. 
Roger, another thing they yeah. can do is laminate their affidavit and carry it with yeah. them. Yeah, I said, you know, a number of different people have come up with different things, and uh, most of them work. Occasionally, we run into a hard ass, but, you know, we had a great one from Kentucky recently where Gal put the local police in Frankfurt on notice, and they wrote her back and said, well, since you've expatriated and you're not a citizen of the United States anymore, you need to come bring in your concealed carry permit. And we want you to contact the FBI about this. And so she did. The FBI wrote her a letter back and said, we don't have anything to do with this. And somebody at the police department kind of figured out she hadn't expatriated, which is a very expensive, detailed, and time-consuming uh, process where you have to have the other country that you're expatriating to's passport before the State Department will let you get rid of your U.S. passport, okay? Well, she'd not done that. And so finally they figured out, and they said, well, send us a little affidavit, and you don't have to worry about it. And I told her, her name's Marilyn. I said, Marilyn, why don't you call the guy and say, I don't need your stinking passport. Don't you get it? I can carry open, and you can't do anything about it. And I don't need your license. <laughs> the license. Okay. So uh, we've got things happening like that all over the country, folks. I mean, it's not, it ain't, they recognize it for now. Put it that way. And the more of us that get turned on to this and do it, the stronger we all get and the harder it is for them not to recognize it, isn't it? In other words, this is what my teacher, John, used to say from that that podium. He said, the only way I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. They're having a hard uh, time being parents, right, Roger? Yeah. Okay. Well, we should probably close if uh, we're kind of. All right. We should wrap it up here. It's getting okay. Late, well, can we have the right. phone number? Uh, yeah, the, the phone website. number for the call. For the call, it's on the it's on the links that are below on the notice for tonight, uh, or you could go to the matrixdocs.com and all that information is right there for you. Um, um, no folks, internet. Um, you don't have internet? You could go 609-663-1976. That's 609-663-1976. And the call is from... Uh, 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock Eastern Time. And if, and if you hang around after the call uh, ends, there are a lot of people hang around and have like a social where you can bring up questions and kick kick things around. So it's yeah. very informative. Yeah. So and if there's quilts. anyone on the call that uh, does not receive the notices for the Tuesday or Thursday night calls and would like to, you can send Phyllis an email and uh, – Asked to be put on. She'll want your first name, your state, who invited you to the call, and a phone number. And if there's somebody who wants to reach out to you, we do not share any contact information with anyone. But if somebody would want to reach out to you, they'll send Phyllis an email, and she will forward that on to you. And then it will be up to you at your convenience to reach out to them. So, Phyllis, would you like to give out your email? Well, would you say that phone number again? Uh, 609 one nine seven six.
Thank you. I'll forward it to you, Phyllis. I'll fill, uh, forward all the info to you. Now, for um, people, if you're in the, if you're in that condition where your provider charges you to sit in on something like this, Paul, isn't there something they got a number that they can just text and it'll call them back and they don't get those charges? Yeah, all they have to do is send a text message that says, call me to that number, and the conference system will call them back. Then it's an inbound call, and it's free. There you go. Wow. Good information. This is Phyllis, and if you're wanting on our Tuesday and Thursday night calls um, and you want to, want the notice, please send me an email to Blue Ridge. 1121 at gmail <clears throat> excuse me blue ridge 1121 at gmail.com i yield okay and, well and uh, one more roger one more we want to thank you for one, one more thing quickly that 609-663-1976 that is a pinless number there's no pin required it'll take you right in Okay. Thank you. Daryl, you're, you're very welcome. Uh, it sounds like we had a number of people that had never been exposed to this before. And I'll just tell you all just flat out, this is life-changing information. You know, it's like if you go to your underwear drawer and you grab a pair of underwear with one hand on each side and you just stretch the devil out of that pair of underwear. And when you take your hands out, that underwear will never snap back to the same size. That's what I've done with your mind tonight. Right. Well, you've shared a wealth of information, uh, Roger, and it's it's a blessing that you took the time to come on, and we sure appreciate it. And everybody that uh, dialogued in a little bit, but uh, as iron sharpens iron, we continue to grow in the in our knowledge, and this is what will set us free when we finally understand the truth and yeah. and exercise it. And so, you you guys, you know what the situation is. Most of the people on here I've sensed are pretty long in the tooth. Uh, we all got a little age under our belt. We got a little wisdom. We know what time it is. We know what's happening. We know who the enemy is. Now out of left field comes this, that everybody can do. It doesn't cost anything. It's non-threatening. You don't have to go to D.C. They can't say no, and they got to recognize it. And we get on a platform like Alex Jones, and they get 30 or 40 million of these and 30 or 40-plus million people pulling themselves out of their little tax scam where they've got $35 trillion worth of fraudulent bonds that they mostly own because they've had to buy them as the bond market has gone upside down, and now they're eating their fraudulent paper. How does that sound? The cages aren't big enough, but they can always make more. Yeah, uh, hanging, hanging is what these boys got coming in my mind. Anyway, so folks, nice to I meet agree. all of y'all. Hope to see you on some on some of the show over there. We toil with our shoulder to the wheel, six days a week with a whole bunch of really fine people. 
as you can hear on here tonight. Much of them here tonight. And uh, we have a good time. We're building a big family and one hell of a good, well-educated team. Okay. Well, let's continue to let's continue to grow and work with one another and help each other. That you know, if we have a little misunderstanding, you know, get onto the calls on during the daytime from eleven to one Eastern time, and you know, ask your questions and and try to get a greater comprehension. That's now, see, where it's at. So, well, I I also do personal consultations, but you know, I did them initially and charged. A hundred dollars, because I thought everybody wouldn't want to pay a hundred dollars, and they'd come and ask the questions on the radio show, and then everybody learns. See, and that way I'm not answering all these same questions on all these individual emails. But some people really like or need some person a personal consultation. I do them occasionally. I charge one hundred and fifty dollars. But otherwise, I'd rather see you bring your questions to the audience because everybody learns. And see, here's the funny thing: you hear all these people here that are my regulars. They've heard this stuff for some instances years. What we covered tonight, they're still here. Why is that? Because they've grown in the information, and even though they may have heard it before, because of their personal growth, when they hear it again, they hear something in it they never heard before. That's why. Well, that, that's, that's, that's just evident that, you know, when you are getting fed, You'll keep coming back to the table if it's good yeah. food, and well, this is this is good nourishment for the brain. Well, I'm gonna tell you, Daryl, I've been messing with so. it 32 years, and I'm still learning stuff. So it's a process. The event Roger. is when you cross paths with the information. The rest of the time you got it. It's a process. Yes, Marco. And we have our little nationals. If, if moms and dads are on here, we have oh, our yeah. little nationals that we have to teach and protect and teach them yeah. how to live. Yeah, That's I mean, national. you can do this. Listen, uh, you grandparents, probably most of our folks here got grandchildren. You can get your grandchildren free, too, especially if your son or daughter and they both in the marriage agree with it. It's just like falling off a log. They're totally out of any CPS stuff. They're out of the draft. They're out of jabs. They're out of everything. And you don't even have to make them sign it as long as they're under 18. You've got the parental rights over it. So there's another whole aspect of this for a whole new market of children. And I have testimonies for them to share with them, Roger. Yep. Okay. If so we anyway, can, if we can maybe pick up on this next week or maybe during the all right. uh, during the week calls, it would be all great. Right. And all right. Well, let's so do let's, this. Uh, let's close. Let's close. Uh, all right. Let's, let's do this, okay, Daryl. I'll do next Tuesday with you for total question and answer and a session like this right here that we've been on for thirty minutes. Okay. Well, that's a real blessing, and thanks for your uh, offer. Okay. So. Well, let's close, in a, let's, let's close What's in a let's close in a name world. of the lady that wanted that would give testimony, so I can ask tomorrow. Merka, 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 Merka. Thank you. Is that I is guess. that who who is this uh, lady? Michelle. Oh, okay. Just um, I'm on National Status Freedom. If you want to join me there, and I'll share that with you. I'm coming okay. out tomorrow. The yeah. Okay, that's fine. Merka, M I R K A. 
Okay, uh, Daryl, you want to okay, wrap this up? Let's just close with the let's close with a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll look forward to maybe being on tomorrow and uh, hashing this out a little more. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to share this information. We just thank you, Lord, for the wealth and knowledge that you have given Roger and all the people that he's been working with. And we just thank you, Lord, for allowing us to uh, try to get this to resonate in our mind and that we can apply it effectively. And we thank you, Lord, for for the hope that we have through your son. And we ask you, Lord, to forgive us where we fail you and just deliver us from this force of the darkness and uh, just help us to be vigilant and to stand firm for the truth to the end. That what is said and done is according to your will and for your glory in the name of Yeshua. We commit all things into your hand. Amen. Well, this uh, we're commanded in Revelation two times, come out of her, my people come out of her. This is how you come out of her. Politically, financially, spiritually, geographically if you choose. And there's one other one in there I always forget. Anyway, I'll, it's late. I'll see y'all on the show tomorrow, okay? It's Columbia. Okay. It's one more question, ma'am. It's Columbia. Thank you, Roger. I'll Have see y'all tomorrow. Okay, bye-bye. This session is no longer being recorded. All right, well, now, if you'll excuse me just a moment, let me take the radio station offline. Blasting the voice of freedom worldwide, you're listening to the Global Voice Radio Network. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! Now you're breaking the tape!